Well, good morning, Gospel City Church. How's everybody doing today? Good to see you in the house of the Lord. Awesome down front. Go ahead and grab your Bibles and open to Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, today we're going to focus on verses 18 through 20. And uh, by the grace of God, we are coming to the end of this wonderful book in Ephesians. I think I'll, I'll let you know next week how many weeks it's been. Uh, but man, you could spend an entire lifetime in this foundational book. It's been a great year, hasn't it? Studying the Word of God. And uh, we'll continue to do that here at our church. But today, I want to give you this big idea as we jump into our text. Prayer is how we advance our mission in the cosmic war. All right? Prayer is how we advance our mission in the cosmic war. And we've been talking about the truth that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darkness and rulers and authorities. And today we're going to see that prayer is very important for the armor that we've put on. Uh, prayer is very important for the mission that we are called to. And you might be saying, what's our mission? Our mission as believers is to spread the fame and the name of Jesus on the earth. Why is that our mission? Because that's what Jesus gave to the apostles and ultimately to all followers of Jesus until he comes again. He said to his apostles on the Mount of Olivet to go therefore into all the world teaching and proclaiming all that Christ had commanded them and to baptize others and lo, God would be with them always to the end of the age. And in the beginning of Acts, uh, it was said that they need to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth proclaiming the fame and renown of Jesus. And how do we advance this mission in a cosmic war? We do it through continual and intentional prayer. You're not going to be able to open your mouth boldly. You're not going to be able to go boldly in the power of the Spirit without prayer. And why does it take prayer? Because prayer teleports us to the spiritual realm where the spiritual battle is already won in Christ. Remember, you have invincibility if you are in Christ Jesus, but often we don't tap into it because we don't pray. And that's what I want to encourage you with today, and I believe God's Word does that. But let's get our eyes on a copy of God's Word in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 16 through 20, and then we'll pray and dive in together. Here we go. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak." Let's pray together. Father, we come, and Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ who have gathered together. I thank you for the worship team and time that so effectively led us to get our eyes off of this world and onto Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who was slain. Lord, what a joy and a privilege it is to say with the angels, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. What a privilege it is to center our attention on heaven toward the saving God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What a privilege it is to declare that to you belongs the power and the glory and the fame and the might forever and ever. And Lord, even this morning as we've gathered, I've already talked to several brothers and sisters in Christ who have had hard weeks who have failed in their attempt to serve Christ and follow Christ in all things. And Lord, it's just a reminder to me that the battle is very real and that we as finite human beings fall short of the glory of God. And so Lord, we thank you for your grace that abounds to the sinner. We thank you for your grace that takes the vilest and the weakest and proclaims that the mercy of Christ is so much more. And Lord, it's in that power that we come this morning. We're desperately in need of Jesus. And so Holy Spirit, would you take our eyes off of our problems and off of our own efforts and would you move our eyes to the perfection of Jesus Christ and what's already been done at the cross. Holy Spirit, would your words go before us right now. Would you open our eyes and our hearts to receive and to be rebuked and taught and corrected from the word of God that is the sword of the Spirit. 
and meet us in our time together now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, today we see this important crescendo in the book of Ephesians. And you probably are thinking, well, I thought the armor of God was the crescendo to the book of Ephesians. What could be more epic uh, than Christ's armor given to the believer? And that is a pretty magnificent thing. But as you've learned, as the more we study the Bible, it just continues to build upon itself. It gets better and better. And we realize that we could never reach the depths of the never-ending well of God's kindness communicated in his word. And so we've talked a lot about why we need the armor of God. We've talked about what each piece of the armor represents. But through the sufficiency of scripture, today we see how we can continually stay armored up for the cosmic battle in Christ and how we can stay on mission for Christ. Maybe throughout this series you've said, man, I'm getting it. But how do I tangibly put on these pieces of armor? How do I know that I'm armored up? And today you're going to see that the answer is through prayer. How do you know that you are standing firm against the schemes of the devil? It happens through prayer. How do you know that you're being strong in the Lord? How is the quality of your prayer life? How will you advance the fame and renown of Jesus? The answer is through prayer. And prayer is not mentioned as a piece of the armor. You notice that? It doesn't say like you got the helmet of prayer or the breastplate of prayer. And that's because prayer is the all-encompassing necessity for the soldier who is in Christ. Prayer is the very air that you should inhale and exhale if you are a follower of Jesus. William Gurnall, I think, brilliantly writes, the Christian armor will rust except it be furnished and scoured with the oil of prayer. What the key is to the watch, that is prayer to our graces. It winds them up and it sets them going. Now, there's no book that expounds on the riches, the resources, and the blessings given to the believer like Ephesians. And while that has been a gift to us, it cannot be an excuse to allow knowledge to keep us from a fervent dependency on the Lord. Uh, the tension that you will live in as a follower of Christ, this side of heaven, is the more you know about God, the more it should stoke the adoration and the worship in your heart and in your soul and in your mind as you love the Lord your God with everything that you are. Uh, the person with a head full of God's promises, but who is slothful in prayer, will continually live in defeat rather than the invincibility that comes with knowing Christ. And so we must pray every day in order to armor up for the battle and for the victory that we've already won in Jesus. Charles Spurgeon says this, all of heaven lies before the grasp of the asking man. All the promises of God are rich and inexhaustible. And that sounds like Ephesians 1, right? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. But he says, all the promises of God are rich and inexhaustible and their fulfillment is to be had in prayer. But in the context of Ephesians chapter 6, we've learned all through Ephesians that we have a lot going for us if we are believers, but there's also a lot raging against us, which probably explains why prayer is so hard sometimes. Has anybody experienced that prayer is hard? Is prayer difficult for you? Yeah, you've experienced that. I grew up in a praying household, and there were times where my four brothers and my one sister and I would look at each other and roll our eyes as my dad and his praying friends would encroach upon 45 minutes, maybe an hour of prayer on a Monday night at a Bible study, and we thought, man, they can pray a long time. Is this ever going to end? And yet when I look back on my life, I am thankful that I grew up in a family that believed firmly in the power of prayer. You have no idea how a house of prayer can affect and be implemented in the life of your children if you take it seriously, if you believe firmly in its power. But if prayer is a necessity, for advancing the mission of Christ, then you better believe Satan doesn't want you praying. If prayer is how you put on the armor of God, you better believe the cosmic powers want you focused on temporal things of life. And if prayer is how you remain strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, you better believe the spiritual forces of evil want you to subtly slip into the illusion that you are doing just fine apart from prayer. If Satan can get the believer to only pray a little 
or to not even pray at all, then he can get the foothold he needs to keep you off mission. And newsflash, that's what his cosmic war is all about. The cosmic battle over this present darkness is about Satan stopping the fame and the name of Jesus from spreading to every nation, to every tribe, and to every tongue. And so guess what? Paul reminds us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood because Satan wants you focused there all the time. And the flesh and blood of this life, it will tempt your prayers to be aimed at temporal things and then you're no threat to the cosmic war because you're not on mission as a believer. So let me give you an example from my own life. Uh, my wife and I, our family, we sold our house of 12 years. And so uh, the house that we've lived in the last 12 years, it was the first house that felt huge when we moved into it with our one cute little girl. And then since then, I now have four kids who are massive and they're eating me out of house and home. And it's been a long time coming. And this week we get to move into a new house here in the Granger area. And so we're really excited to minister to other people and to use a home for the glory of God and, and all of that. And people in this church have helped us get our house ready to sell. And there's people I don't even know who helped. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. But, and some of you have prayed. But listen, uh, for the first time in my adult life, uh, I'm experiencing the blessing of equity in your home. And so we sold our house and we're like, okay, we got, we got some, we, we, we invested in something and now we get to invest in a new home. And so we're starting to think about like, what are the things we need for this house? How do we make this bigger house a, a, a bit of a home for us? What pieces of furniture do we need or what do we need just to do life well? And, and so my wife and I today was this week, if you didn't know, there were prime days this week, Amazon prime days. And so for the first time ever, I was aware that Prime Day is a thing, and my wife and I were like, oh, we got 13 hours to uh, buy the things that are on Prime deals, and so we're looking, and we're like, oh, we got 10 more hours, and while I was supposed to be reading, and while I was supposed to be praying, and while I was supposed to be writing a sermon, my phone was bzz, 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 alerting me about all these deals on Prime Days that I have to have, and so I, st I felt myself getting angsty and even a little frustrated, and my wife and I had some great apologies before I came up here to serve this morning. And, um, but it got me thinking uh, that my mind and my time was being distracted with temporal things and possessions. The lore of the temporal can get your eyes off of the battle in the heavenly places. And this is how sneaky the devil is. He uses our life advancements, even the good gifts, that God gives us in this life, he can use to distract us from our wealth, our walk, our warfare, and our witness for Jesus Christ. Satan wants you so focused on the flesh and blood, the things that you think you need, the temporal things that you can get your hand on, the American dream, that you forget you're even in a cosmic battle and the whole point is spreading the fame and the name of Jesus. You know what? Satan doesn't care at all about my house. Satan doesn't care about my possessions. Satan doesn't care if you are a billionaire or if you are dirt poor. He only cares that you're consumed with this kingdom instead of advancing Christ's kingdom. And so believers, you have to get your eyes off of the things of this world. It's a fight. It's a battle. Every time you leave this service that tells you to put your attention on heaven, you go right back into the world and your mind gets sucked right back into Amazon Prime. <laughs> Let's focus our eyes on that which we cannot see, advancing the kingdom of God for his glory. There's a very real enemy, very real war aiming at stopping our mission, but prayer is how we advance the mission in the cosmic war. So there's four things that I believe Paul exhorts us in and even models as we look at our text for today. The first one is this, staying on mission means praying all the time in the spirit. Staying on mission means praying all the time in the spirit. Look at verse 18. After pouring through Christ's armor that we are putting on for the battle, he says, praying at all times in the spirit. So first, just for a reminder's sake, what is prayer? Prayer is talking to the God of glory who created the world and all things in it. It's simple, but it is magnificent. We totally overthink prayer and we totally underappreciate the power of prayer. It does not take a scholar to prayer. It does not take 
an, an intellect to pray. Anyone who is in Christ has been invited by God himself to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Here's a definition that I love by Alvin Reed. He says, prayer is intimacy with God that leads to the fulfillment of his purposes. That should be convicting because often uh, the prayers that we pray are filled with our purposes, right? Have you ever caught yourself in that? You start going to prayer when you need something, not just to spend time with God. That shouldn't be the first aim of our prayer. It's not about our purposes. It's about God's purposes. But I love that definition that says that prayer is intimacy with God. Uh, The first aspect of prayer that you need to get a, a hold of, this will make your prayer life so much better. If you seek the face of God instead of the hand of God, it will be time well spent. If you spent your entire life praying and never asking God for anything, just simply praying and praising him for who he is, reciting back the word of God to him, giving thanks to him, it would be time well spent in the presence of God, time well spent at his feet. So we seek his face before we seek his hand. John Piper says this, God aims to exalt himself by working for those who wait for him. Prayer is the essential activity of waiting for God. Acknowledging our helplessness and his power, calling upon him for help, seeking his counsel. Prayer is the antidote for the disease of self-confidence that opposes God's goal of getting glory by working for those who wait for him. Prayer slows you down. Prayer causes you to get your eyes on Christ. Prayer slows down your anxiety when you don't have what you think you need, and it causes you to focus on the God of glory who gives you all that you need. And, and, and this self-confidence, this pride, this, this confidence in ourself, it is the antithesis to being strong in the Lord. Prayer is a declaration of our dependence on God, not our independence in ourselves. And so that's a little bit about what Paul means when he says to pray, but then look at the frequency of this praying. He says, praying at all times. We're praying without ceasing, maybe you've heard in scripture. But you you see the word all here, praying at all times. There's four different alls in this sentence. And if you go back to verse 16, Paul says in all circumstances in the Bible, what I think he's communicating is you're gonna have a lot of circumstances, a lot of trials, a lot of hardships, and it's going to take a lot of praying if you are a believer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Paul wrote this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And the reason that we're praying all the time is because the battle's always raging. We heard from C.S. Lewis several weeks ago that uh, every square inch of the universe is claimed by God and it's counterclaimed by Satan. That means the battle's always going on, so you don't have time to get your eyes off of the prize. You don't have time to let down your guard as a believer. You don't have time to depend on anything other than the Lord God Almighty who will fight for you. And prayer is how we stay continually vigilant, constantly armored up, and combatively on mission for Christ. So what's it mean to pray at all times? Does that mean that you're praying 24-7 in a prayer closet? No, you're here this morning. Does it mean that you're murmuring prayers under your breath as you go throughout the day? Not a bad way to pray, uh, but praying at all times, the phrase in the spirit that Paul says is really helpful to us. As the spirit prompts you to pray, the spirit will point your prayers, and the Spirit will perfect your prayers as you lift up anything to the God of glory through the Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? The Spirit's within you. You're filled with the Spirit of God. Be being filled with the Spirit of God, Ephesians has taught us. You need to allow the Spirit of God to continually prompt your prayers, point your prayers, and perfect your prayers as you ask anything of the God of glory through the Son, Jesus Christ. 
And so as you lean into the Spirit, he's going to bring certain things to mind. He's going to bring certain people to mind. He's going to stoke prayers in your heart. And often we can push those things off and do it in our own strength. But when the Spirit of God is moving, when the Spirit of God is prompting, we should be quick to stop and to pray. So praying at all times, here's a definition I wrote down that might be helpful to you. Praying at all times in the Spirit is living in continual submission to and cognitive awareness of the Spirit of God who is pointing the believer to the person and nature of Christ at all times. One more time, praying at all times in the Spirit is living in continual submission to and cognitive awareness of the Spirit of God who is pointing the believer to the person and nature of Christ at all times. Do you realize that that's what the Spirit of God does in your life? The Spirit of God is a worship leader. The Spirit of God is constantly saying, look at him. Look at Christ the Lamb. The Spirit prompts in your heart, look at Jesus. Ask Jesus. Stop and worship Jesus. Request anything to Jesus. The Spirit of God wants you desperate and dependent on Jesus Christ who is the Lamb on his throne. He wants us obsessed with the person and the nature of Jesus Christ. And so as the Spirit prompts us, we begin to pray, whether we feel like we have words or not. And Romans verse, chapter 8, verse 26 says this, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You might feel like you run out of prayers. You're not eloquent enough to pray constantly. You don't know what to pray when you get in a group. And guess what? The Spirit of God wants to help you. The Spirit of God takes the most simple prayers that come from your lips if they are prompted by the Spirit of God and he offers them holy and acceptable to Christ the Lamb and Christ is praying and interceding on our behalf before the Father. It's a beautiful thing. So if we're going to stay on mission in a cosmic war, we must pray all the time in the Spirit. We're walking in the Spirit. We're being filled with the Spirit. And we're praying in the Spirit. Now, number two that we see from the text is this. Staying on mission means praying all kinds of prayer. Staying on mission means praying all kinds of prayer. So look at verse 18. It continues on. Paul writes, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So what's that mean? We're praying all the time with all prayers and supplications. Why is Paul saying to pray with prayer? What's he mean by that? And I think what he's saying is because he's saying prayer and supplication, he's telling us that there are different types of prayers that you will need to pray as the Spirit prompts things in your life. All of prayer is not asking God for things. Uh, that's where we get, get it wrong. All of prayer is not me bringing a request to God. That's often what supplications mean. Supplication is anytime we're taking a request before God, asking God to help us. So the, the word prayers may suggest just simply adoring God in prayer or, or thanking God in prayer or spending time confessing sin in prayer. As a believer who is spirit prompted, you're gonna need all those types of prayers in your life. God delights in you seeking his face and God delights in you seeking his hand. God delights in you praising him to the glory of his name and God delights when you ask Christ for help. God loves whenever we pray to praise God from whom all blessings flow and God loves when we say, God, would you help me to see every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and would you make it tangibly accessible to me as I follow Christ? So what Paul is saying, and this should encourage you, is that there really is a, not a prayer that is too big or too small for God. And since you need to pray all the time in the Spirit, take everything the Spirit brings to mind to him and know that he hears and has the power to answer. God is intimately and intricately involved in the deepest desires of your heart. He cares about what you have to offer up to him. If his spirit is prompting you to pray, God cares what you have to say. So you're gonna to need to pray a lot of general prayers and a lot of specific prayers. General prayers might be, Lord, help the leaders of our nation to fear you. Father, protect the children of our cities who are facing the evil day. Lord, would you let the gospel spread to Muslim nations. Lord, help me to be holy as you are holy. But our supplications, 
as the Spirit prompts us, get more and more specific as we pray for ourselves and for ultimately one another. And God loves when we pray specific prayers because when he answers our specific prayers, it magnifies the glory of his name. So specific prayers and supplications may be, Lord, my son is straying far from the truth. My son is straying far from you. Would you stop him dead in his tracks and cause him to follow you? Pray that prayer. Pray that prayer boldly. Pray that prayer continually. It may be, Father, I'm discouraged with this pain that has caused so much suffering in my life. Would you take away the pain with your power, but would you help me to learn the way of Christ through the suffering that I'm enduring? Here's another one. If I were to ask you to write down five people that you're praying for that would come to know Jesus right now, could you do it? Some of you could, but a lot of us probably would have a hard time writing down five specific people that we're asking God to open their hearts and open their minds to the truth of the gospel. And so we say, man, I'm not very good at sharing the gospel. No, you're just not praying enough so that the Spirit of God would give you opportunity. Man, I, I, I want to share the gospel with this person, but you're not praying that the Spirit of God would give you boldness to open up your mouth and proclaim the mystery of Christ. And when our supplications are completely focused on our own selfish gain, Satan can sit back, twiddle his thumbs at us because the power of prayer from the saints isn't directed at the mission that he aims to thwart. So believer, you got to stay on mission, you got to stay on target, and you have a target, and it's going to take all kinds of prayer. The third thing it'll take is this, staying on mission means praying with all perseverance. So we're praying all the time in the spirit, we're praying all different types of prayer, and we're praying with all perseverance. Look where Paul continues to go. He says, keep alert to that end with all the pray, prayer that you're praying, keep alert with all perseverance. So he says, keep alert. Don't forget you're in this cosmic battle. Don't forget that Satan is shooting fiery arrows in your direction. Temptations and accusations are coming at you every single day. And every advance in your Christian life will be countered by Satan through opposition. So in our continual, fervent, spirit-led prayer, we must keep alert with all vigilance. Now the word perseverance that Paul uses, just a simple definition, perseverance is persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. I think that's a great word for prayer. Uh, we're doing it despite the difficulty. We're doing it whether we've had our prayer answered or not. We're persisting in prayer. We're not giving up when the prayers haven't been met to our expectations. We're praying in the spirit all the time, continually and persistently because God can Answer. God can change. We can bend the will of God through our prayers. Like Moses, when he prayed for the people of Israel as he came down from the mountain, God was going to wipe out Israel. And Moses prays, God, have mercy. And God has mercy on the people of Israel. I think we could all raise our hands and say that praying in itself is difficult. And then we add all the reasons why we don't pray. Ah, I was going to pray, but I didn't have time. I was going to pray, but I fell asleep. I was going to pray, but I hit the snooze button. I was going to pray, but I watched Netflix instead. Now, in the Greek, uh, the word perseverance has two senses. Uh, one is to be strong. The other is to endure steadfastly. I think that perfectly describes uh, what it should feel like to be a person continually praying in the Spirit of God. You will need to be strong in prayer, in the Lord and in the strength of His might, not your own. And you will need to endure steadfastly through every attack, every circumstance, every trial, every storm, if you aim to be an effective disciple who reflects the fame and the name of Jesus. Remember, Satan's not concerned with you just being a good person and skating through this life. Satan wants to attack you if you are spreading the fame in the name of Jesus, which is the mission that he has called all of us to. Not just your pastor, not just your leaders, not just the most uh, small group leader or the most uh, devotional person that you know, all of us who are in Christ have been given all the power that we need and we've all been placed on the same mission to spread the renown of Christ. So enduring for the cause of Christ is where our faith gets tested. And as humans, especially as Americans, we don't like to get our faith tested. We don't like to endure, do we? We like to get out from under the pain. We like to get out 
and, and, and get resolved through these things. But did you know that your ability to endure all things is able to make you more like Christ and a greater ambassador for Christ? I want you to remember the context in which Paul is writing uh, this important verse about praying at all times in the spirit. He was in prison. Look ahead at verse 19. Paul gives us an example of exactly what he's teaching us. He says, and also for me, so he's asking them to pray for him. And this is his prayer request, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So as Paul's telling us to armor up and as Paul is teaching us to pray at all times in the spirit, and as Paul is teaching us to pray with all perseverance, he's in Rome, in chains, under house arrest, fresh off of a couple shipwrecks and beatings and rejections, and yet he's, he's mid-50s at this point in his life, and yet he's not hanging up the towel. And his prayer requests are not that he would get out of prison or that he would get more comfortable quarters or that they would loosen the chains around his uh, wrists and his ankles. His prayers is that he would continually have more opportunity to open his mouth boldly to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he would have more words to share about Christ. And he says, as I ought to speak. Because as a believer who's been changed, as a believer who's been made alive in Christ, as I ought to speak should be your battle cry. Everywhere I go, I ought to speak the name of Jesus because I'm spreading the fame and his renown. Now hear me for a minute, because I've been thinking about this week, this this week, thinking about my own life, praying for some of you. What if you are, in, what are you enduring right now? What if what are you enduring right now is able to make you more like Christ and able to testify of his mercy all the more? What's a situation, what's a circumstance that you're going through right now that you just wish you could get out from under? Maybe you're facing division among your closest friends. Maybe you're stuck in a job that feels worthless or lame. Maybe your boss is slandering you. Maybe your marriage relationship is rocky or your relationship with your parents is a total drag. Maybe your cars are falling apart or your possessions are lacking. Maybe you've been sick for a long time or in chronic pain for a long time. And listen, all Satan wants is for you to be so focused on your circumstances that you forget your mission. And did you know that what Satan means for evil, God can absolutely use for good. What if the pain you are enduring right now is meant to produce the righteousness of Christ in your life? What if instead of reaching for something to suppress the pain, you became more desperate and more dependent on persistent praying? What if instead of only asking God to remove your pain, you began to pray all the time in the spirit that he would use your pain to share in the sufferings of Christ and to tell others of the suffering of Christ on their behalf? What if instead of always praying that your circumstance would be removed, you prayed all the more desperately for perseverance to advance the mission in the circumstance? That's hard. Every trial bows to the sovereign Lord of the universe and the suffering saint who persistently prays with all perseverance to advance the name and the fame of Christ in the midst of the trial shouts in the face of the enemy, I am Christ." And Christ has won. And so I'm encouraging you to pray bigger prayers, to pray bolder prayers, to not let your prayer life get sucked into the flesh and blood of this world, what you can get your hands on, what possessions you might have, what earthly needs God might meet. Let's get our eyes up. Let's get our eyes on the mission. Let's pray bolder prayers that in the circumstances, in the trials, in the pain, God would ignite his spirit inside of us that we might boldly proclaim his truth. And just hear me, I don't want to minimize your, your pain. I don't want to minimize your sickness. I don't want to minimize the circumstances that you're going through. I don't want to minimize small prayers that the Spirit prompts for you to take to God. I want to urge you to be careful. I want to urge you to boldly lean into the Spirit of God and remember that the mission is to spread the name of Jesus. The Spirit can help you in your weakness 
2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9. Listen, Paul wrote this. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. Or go to, go to the next one. In verse 8, it says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. So Paul, even Paul prayed about his pain. Paul prayed about his thorn in his flesh. Paul prayed that God would remove those things. That's an acceptable prayer. But God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul didn't say, God, that's not a good enough answer. God, just remove it. Lord, I don't want to hear about your grace. I want you to remove the thorn in my flesh. Now the next verse, go back one for me. He said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. As Paul was prompted in the spirit to pray, God gave him an answer that maybe he didn't even want to get. And it led Paul to trust in the sovereignty of God and use the painful situation that he was enduring to continue to advance the grace and the mission of Christ by boasting in his weaknesses. That is the answer to our problems. That is the answer to the spirit and prayer that keeps us on mission. Now, number four this morning is this. Staying on mission means praying for others who are in Christ. Staying on mission means praying for others who are in Christ. The beauty that Paul continues to communicate and model is that we are not alone. Our same missional praying needs to be a relational praying. And that's what Ephesians has been talking about. Unity, unity, unity. There's union with Christ. There's unity with one another. We have one body. We serve one Lord. We've been joined together by one faith and one baptism. And those who are in Christ need to hold one another up in prayer. So we pray for our brothers and sisters specifically and constantly. Is your prayer life more focused on yourself or on the saints? Is your prayer life more filled with uh, your own needs and your own desires? Or are you praying boldly for your brothers and sisters in Christ? We should pray for those who are being persecuted, for those who are suffering, for those who are preaching and teaching, for those who are evangelizing. Let me just encourage you to pray for your missionaries in the world. Some of you know individuals personally, and then our church has people who are boldly proclaiming the gospel other places. You can pray uh, generically for the gospel to spread, but also pray for Billy and Jen Nelson who are spreading the gospel in Africa to Muslim places. And, and the Lord is stirring and moving. Don't forget to pray specifically for them. You can pray for the Hattons who are in a really hard place where the gospel has not reached yet and they got their family there. You can pray for uh, Mark and Karen Patton who are in Budapest and they've planted a gospel preaching church and they're getting college students there. You can pray for the Reinkings who are in Prague who have a new resident missionary and you're gonna hear from them next week. Let's pray for our missionaries. We prayed for our missionaries last week at Fresh Encounter. Uh, Brian and Christy Nysus who are heading to Africa soon just to spread the fame and the name of Jesus by working as teachers. There are people in our congregation going all over the world proclaiming the message of Christ. Are you praying specifically for them? We need to pray for one another. Don't focus your prayer life only on yourself. Let me encourage you to get five people that you're specifically praying for at all times. Could you write them down right now? Believers that you're praying for. And the beauty about Paul, as we kind of wrap up, he, he doesn't just tell us to pray, exhort us to pray. He gives us examples all through the book of Ephesians. And I love how he, he tells us, pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplications to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And then in verse 19, and also for me. Paul got specific about what he needed, what he needed prayer from. So Paul submitted his prayer requests to the church at Ephesus. Some of you here have never filled out the prayer request form at mygospelcity.org slash Sunday. And you know what? I was actually convicted about it this week. I've never filled out the prayer request form. And so this morning I filled out a prayer request that I need for my family. And, uh, and I did that and I know that it'll be prayed for by prayer warriors. But I'll just tell you this, this past Wednesday, your elders got together for over an hour. We just poured out prayer requests your prayer request. We prayed in the power of the Spirit for you specifically. And two weeks ago with all the pastors, we did the same thing. We prayed for all those who submitted prayer requests. We prayed for you because we love you. We care about you. But listen, submitting what we need as brothers and sisters in Christ 
it, it's what joins us together. It's how we be known in this body. What are you going through? What are you facing? What do you need prayer for? Not prayer for like your cat or your dog. That might be a thing you could take before God in the spirit. But like, what do you need prayer for? For the mission that Christ has called you to. What are you going through that's trying to get you off mission? When we submit ourselves to the body, when we get in a small group and we get known, when we get vulnerable with one another and we hold one another up in prayer, it stokes a faith and a unity that is no match for the enemy that's at hand. Not only did Paul model it here, but he modeled it all through the book of Ephesians, right? If you go back to Ephesians chapter one, that first glorious sentence about God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, sealing us and uniting us and redeeming us. It's really a prayer, a vertical prayer. But then in verse 15, he says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. Why does Paul keep praying while he writes? Because he knows that his information is pointless without the spirit of God getting it into our hearts. And so he prays for the saints that they wouldn't just know this stuff, but they would apply it and it would transform their life. He does the same thing in Ephesians chapter three after pouring out about the unity that we have in Christ. He says in verse 14 of chapter three, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. And he prays that our hearts would be renovated. He prays that we'd be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we would know the depths of the love and the grace of God. And he says, now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to his power at work within us. That's why we pray, because he is able. That's why we pray, because he's able to do far more than you could ever ask or think. And so the word of God should be stoking you. The spirit of God should be moving you to pray all the time, all kinds of prayers, with all perseverance, no matter what you're going through. And we need to pray for one another in this family of God. Let me just tell you a story as we close. In 1858, there was a pastor by the name of Dudley Ting, and there was, he was an Episcopalian pastor, and there was a revival breaking out in Philadelphia, and the name and the fame of Jesus was spreading, and people were being saved, and people were fired up about the gospel, and uh, it was started at the YMCA in Philadelphia, and this Dudley Ting, this young pastor full of zeal, uh, full of spreading the power of the hope of the gospel. He was named kind of the leader of that revival. And as you could imagine, other pastors, other ministers in the community were super intrigued and pumped up about what God was doing. And so they got involved. Well, one of those pastors was George Duffield Jr. And he was a Presbyterian pastor who became very close friends with Dudley Ting. And uh, they worked together as they spread the name of Jesus. Well, one morning later that year, revival still going and spreading. Dudley Ting was at his house doing his devotions and he went out to uh, uh, tend to a mule that he had that was pulling this corn shucking machine. And he gets out there and the, the cloth in his, his uh, sleeve gets sucked into the machine and it took his arm with it. And as you could imagine, that'd be a pretty traumatic experience. Well, they got him and they rushed him to the hospital and he fought for his life that week and they ended up having to amputate his arm. And at the end of that week, he passed away from the tragic accident. But throughout the final week of his life, George Duffield, this Presbyterian pastor, went and sat bedside with Dudley Ting and they would talk about Jesus and he would just sit there and pray with him. And he said, Dudley, what's one thing you wanna to say to the people who are in the revival right now, the people that you have ministered to. And you know what Dudley didn't say? He didn't say, pray that, they, pray that I'd make it through. Pray that they'd be able to preserve my arm. Pray that I'd be able to get back out and share this message of hope. He, he just said this, tell them, let's all stand up for Jesus. That was his battle cry. Let's stand up for Jesus. And he said it on his deathbed. It was the cry of his life. And even in his dying circumstances. He wanted others to stand up for Jesus in the power of the Spirit. So that next Sunday, George Duffield got before his congregation and he said, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter six. And he preached the armor of God. And at the end of his sermon, he quoted lyrics 
to a new hymn that he had composed in honor of Dudley Ting's life. And the third verse of that hymn says this, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor. Each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. May that be the cry of our lives, even to our death, to live as Christ, to die as gain. In the power of the Spirit, relying firmly in the power of prayer every day, would it cause us to boldly go on mission for Jesus Christ? Come on, let's stand to our feet and let's pray together in the power of the Spirit. Lord, we come and Lord, we just worship you. We exalt you as King of glory, Lord of all. And Lord, so many of us as believers who have walked with you, we've heard about prayer. We probably talk about prayer a lot. We probably have great intentions for praying. But Lord, we know that the battle often keeps us from tapping into the power that is in Christ. I pray that Ephesians would just continue to stoke in our hearts a dependency on the Lord. I pray that this body would be a body that is strong in the Lord. I pray that you'd make us all the more dependent in the battle. I pray that you'd make us all the more desperate for the presence of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we'd have victories even this week at becoming greater prayer warriors to the glory of God. I pray that you would put specific people on our minds to pray for, that they would have victory over temptation, that they would have healing from the circumstances, that their eyes would be able to get in the right place in the, the sickness and in the pain, Lord, that they'd be able to advance the message of the gospel no matter what they're facing. Lord, would you help all of us to trust you more, to lean into you more? Would your spirit ever grow a deepening desperation for you here at Gospel City Church. Do it in my life. Do it in my friend's life. And Lord, help us to stand up for Jesus as the people of God. In your name we pray. Amen. And stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high, lift high his royal Let's sing it with passion together. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. He dare not trust your own. Put on and put on.
you lift up a shout of praise to Jesus Christ, the author, the finisher of our faith. He is worthy. He is our God. And it's his, his breath that we praise. We sing. centers us on you. God, I pray for all my friends who are here today. I pray that you would fill us up as you have and send us out for the glory of your name. Lord, would we proclaim to all the earth the renown of Jesus Christ. And Lord, when we feel weak, would you help a believer to be praying for us? When our brothers and sisters are weak, would we pray for them on the spot? Not tell them we're praying for them, would we stop and pray? And God, would you convict each of us, would your spirit lead each of us to be men and women of prayer, desperate prayer, so that we would proclaim how great you are in all the world. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.